this episode i will take you through a journey of delhi sultanat from its establishment in 1206 ad up till the arrival of babur in 1526 ad for centuries prior to the creation of the delhi sultanat the indian subcontinent had been dominated by four dynasties the mighty cholas in the south the palas in the east in lush bengal the rashtrakutas in the arid deccan plateau of central india and the pratiharas in the fertile plains of the upper ganges and the scrubby forests that stretched westwards as far as the indus meanwhile to the west of india islamic dynasties rose and fell in the early days of islam the muslim world had a single empire ruled first from damascus by arabs and later from baghdad by persians but the rift between the muslim sects the sunnis and the shiites weakened muslim unity by the 9th century in persia provincial families some sunni and some shiites took over the reins of authority they came to depend on turkish warrior slaves these slaves were purchased as children from nomad families roaming the steppes of central india they were trained in islam and the military arts and could be depended upon to be loyal to their masters those turks who proved worthy rose to great heights and sometimes intermarried with their overlords it was through these people that persian culture turkish warfare and the arabic holy books spread into the heart of india in the 12th century prithviraj chauhan was ruling over delhi when mahmud gauri led his invasions into india a confederacy of rajputs under prithviraj repulsed him but in 1192 ad prithviraj was defeated and killed by gauri after this mohammad gauri retired to his native land leaving qutubuddin aibak his slave as his viceroy in india in 1193 qutubuddin aibak captured delhi which was still in the hands of the chauhans later after the death of gauri in 1208 he enthroned himself at lahore as the first sultan of delhi the period from 1206 ad to 1526 ad is called the delhi sultanate in indian history because the muslim rulers during this period got the title of the sultan and delhi was the seat of their capital during this period five dynasties ruled over delhi qutubuddin aibak being the founder of delhi sultanate five different dynasties ruled over northern india during 1206 ad to 1526 ad the slave dynasty from 1206 to 1290 ad the khalji dynasty from 1290 ad to 1320 ad the tughlaq dynasty from 1320 ad to 1413 ad the sayyid dynasty from 1414 ad to 1451 ad and the lodi dynasty from 1451 ad to 1526 ad the slave dynasty the slave dynasty is more appropriately called the mamluk sultans of delhi of the nine rulers only three aibak iltutmish and balban began their political career as bonded slaves even when they were freed by their masters all others were free men the important sultans of the slave dynasty were qutubuddin aibak 
Iltutmish, Razia and Balban. Kutubuddin Aibak After the death of Mahmud Ghori, his viceroy, Kutubuddin Aibak became the ruler of Delhi in 1206 AD, in spite of a long opposition by the Rajputs. Kutubuddin is regarded as the founder of Turkish rule in India. Born of Turkish parents in Turkestan, the young Aibak had been sold to the Qazi of Nishapur, who educated him and trained him in military skills. After the Qazi's death, Aibak was sold to Mahmud Ghori. Aibak's courage, military skills and loyalty to his master earned him the position of commander in Ghori's army. He was placed in charge of his Indian conquests after the Second Battle of Tarain in 1192 AD. He was also appointed master of the stables and made viceroy of India. He further strengthened his position by entering into matrimonial alliances with his powerful rivals, the governors of Punjab, Sindh, Bihar, etc. He got his daughter married to Iltutmish and his sister to Nasiruddin Kubacha. He himself married the daughter of Tajuddin Yaldoj. Aibak was also a very good administrator. He was just, kind, generous and a tolerant ruler. He was called Lak Bakshar, giver of lakhs, on account of his generosity. Himself a pious Muslim, he treated Hindus kindly. He encouraged learning and many scholars lived in his court. Aibak was a great builder. He started the construction of Qutub Minar at Delhi, which was completed by his son-in-law, Iltutmish. Aibak died at Lahore in 1210 AD, where he fell from a horse while playing a game, Chamgam, somewhat like Polo. Iltutmish The sudden death of Aibak left a void which the nobles filled by placing his son Aram Shah on the throne of Delhi. Aram Shah was a weak and incompetent ruler. He was therefore overthrown and Aibak's son-in-law Iltutmish was invited to occupy the throne in 1211 AD. Iltutmish has been called the savior and the real founder of the Delhi Sultanate. His status was recognized in 1228 when he was confirmed as Sultan by the Khalifa of Baghdad. This enhanced his privilege in the Muslim world and enabled him to consolidate his authority in India. The Qutubi Amirs rebelled against him. The rival slave chiefs Tajuddin Yaldoj, the ruler of Ghajni, and Nasruddin Kubacha, the governor of Sindh, challenged him. The Khaljis of Bengal asserted their independence. The Hindu princes wanted to regain their lost dominions. Iltutmish proved a strong and worthy ruler. He subjugated his rifles, the Qutbi Amirs, Yaldoj, Kubacha and the Khaljis of Bengal. After getting rid of his rivals and strengthening his position, Iltutmish turned his attention towards Hindu princes. He conquered Malwa, Mandu, Ujjain, Gwalior, Ranthambore and brought the whole of North India under his rule. Achievements of Iltutmish Iltutmish was one of the greatest Muslim rulers of India. He saved and strengthened the Muslim empire. He founded the so-called slave dynasty in India. Iltutmish was a great builder. He completed the Qutub Minar at Delhi. He built a mosque at Badayu. He also built a tomb in red sandstone at Delhi. He adopted the silver tanka 
as his standard coin weighing 17 grains ancestor of the rupee and the copper fital he was the first to mint gold and silver coins on which words were engraved in arabic only he organized the revenue and the finance department the reign of iltutmish saw the decline of lahore and the rise of delhi all artists and artisans flocked to delhi and it became the second baghdad threat from mongols india was threatened by the mongol invasion during the reign of iltutmish Genghis Khan the fierce leader of the Mongols followed Jalaluddin who had fled towards India in search of shelter in India Iltutmish refused politely to give him any protection in India so Jalaluddin fled back to Persia and the Mongols also retired thus India was saved from a great calamity and the horrors of Mongol invasion in 1221 AD Razia Sultan Razia was brave, wise, intelligent and possessed all the royal qualities. Razia dressed like a man and sat in the open darbar to transact business. She was a talented woman and regarded the welfare of her subjects as an essential duty. Iltutmish was succeeded by his weak and incompetent eldest surviving son, Ruknuddin Feroz Shah, who died within 6 months of ascending the throne. Then Razia the daughter of Iltutmish who had been nominated by her father as his successor ascended the throne as Sultan Razia Uddin although the nobles did not like to be ruled by a woman they had to accept Razia as their ruler some even revolted against her but she was able to restore peace by her courage and diplomacy However, she offended the nobles, the Turkish Mamluks known as the Forty, by showering undue favors on an Abyssinian slave called Yakut and appointing him as the master of the stables. Her prime minister Muhammad Zunaidi also organized a revolt against her, but she crushed it. Altunia, the governor of Bhatinda, was the first to rise in revolt in order to strengthen her position. Razia married Altunia. People disapproved of this and both Razia and her husband were put to death in 1240 AD. Razia's successors. After Razia's death, Iltutmish's third son, Muizuddin Behram Shah, came to the throne for a period of 2 years. His rule was followed by a 4-year tenure by Alauddin Masud Shah, the son of Ruknuddin. They were mere puppets and their reigns were full of murders and intrigues. Masud Shah was deposed and Nasiruddin Mahmud, the youngest son of Iltutmish, came to the throne through a conspiracy hatched against Masud Shah. Nasiruddin Mahmud In 1246, Nasiruddin, the youngest son of Iltutmish, was appointed as ruler. However, he remained sultan in name only as all the power of the state was seized by the Turkish nobles and their leader Balban. Nasiruddin was a simple, kind-hearted and a religious man. He was politically inactive and passed the 20 years of his reign transcribing the Quran. Balban was the most prominent figure of the reign. a slave of iltutmish he gradually became powerful and a member of the 40 he consolidated the sultan's authority and ruled with iron control 
for 20 years as Nasiruddin's prime minister. With a view to check Mongol invasions, Balban built new forts and repaired the old ones. Thus, he successfully saved the Sultanate from any internal and external dangers. Gayasuddin Balban Balban seized power after the death of Nasiruddin. He realized that the intrigues of the Turkish nobles were the main cause of the weakness of the royal authority and disorders prevailing in the kingdom. He weakened the power of the nobles by drawing a line of distinction between the sultan and the noble. He also employed spies and news writers to collect information about the views and activities of the nobles. Fierce punishment was given to those who did not perform their duties. The recurring invasions by the Mongols was Balban's constant worry. He devoted all his might and men to safeguard his dominions against them. He reformed the army to increase the efficiency by increasing its size and appointing loyal officers. He put up a strong resistance to Mongol invasion. Conquest of Bengal Tugril Khan, who was appointed governor of Bengal, revolted and assumed the title of Sultan and issued coins. Balban personally marched against him, killed him and captured Bengal. He returned to Delhi, leaving the government of Bengal to his son, Bugra Khan. Achievements of Balban Balban was a very able and dignified ruler. He tried to consolidate the empire instead of just extending its boundaries. He had a well-equipped army to protect his kingdom from internal rebellions and external invasion. He patronized many Muslim scholars and gave shelter to many refugees from Central Asia. He enhanced the position of the Sultan by degrading the nobility class. Balban died of illness in 1287 AD and was succeeded by his grandson Kekubad, a pleasure-seeking monarch. He soon lost his throne and eventually died of paralysis. The line of slave sultans came to an end along with the power of pure Turks. The throne then passed into the hands of the Khaljis. The Khaljis, wrongly believed to be Afghans, were actually Turks who had for a long time settled in the region of Afghanistan called Khalij and adopted Afghan manners and customs. The Ghaznavid and Ghorid invasions and Mongol pressure from Central Asia had pushed them into Hindustan. Jalaluddin Khilji Jalaluddin Khilji, the first Khilji ruler, was 70 years old when he took over the throne. He was a simple, peace-loving and a kind person. He allowed the Turkish nobles to keep their posts and pardoned most of his enemies who were fighting for the throne. Jalaluddin's ambitious nephew and son-in-law, Alauddin, helped curb the unrest in the kingdom and also defend the area from the Mongols. The only noteworthy event of Jalaluddin's reign was the raid by Alauddin on Devgiri, Devgir which is modern Daltabad, in 1294. After defeating the rulers of Devgiri, he returned to Kara with huge quantities of gold and precious articles. Jalaluddin wished to congratulate his nephew, but Alauddin killed him and had his head carried through the provinces on a spearhead for all to see. Alauddin Khilji 
Alauddin Khilji, the nephew and the son-in-law of Jalaluddin Khilji, came to the throne in 1296 AD after murdering his uncle in cold blood. He was a powerful general, a shrewd administrator and an ambitious monarch. He established the largest empire since Ashoka and extended the boundaries of Muslim empire in India up to the Deccan in the south. The Deccan expeditions brought Alauddin wealth, power and prestige. He did not annex the territories of the Deccan to his empire because it was difficult to control distant provinces of the south. He let these rulers retain their kingdoms when they acknowledged his supremacy and agreed to pay annual tributes. Alauddin sent an expedition to conquer Gujarat. They plundered the state and along with the rich booty, they brought back a slave, Malik Kafur, who later became Alauddin's general. They also brought Kamla, the wife of the king of Gujarat, as captive to the Muslim army to become the wife of Alauddin Khilji. By 1305, Alauddin became the master of the whole of North India. Ujjain, Dhar, Mandu and Chanderi all became a part of his empire. Alauddin's empire extended from Brahmaputra in the east to Arabian Sea in the west and from the Himalayas in the north up to Madurai in the far south. The southern states were in his empire in name only and they had become almost independent towards the last days. His capital was at Delhi. Malik Kafur a Hindu eunuch, Malik Kafur, was purchased for 1,000 dinars by Nusrat Khan at Kambay, Gujarat. This earned him the nickname Hazar Dinari. The Deccan conquests made Malik Kafur so powerful and wealthy that he became overambitious and dreamt of becoming king himself. While trying to dispose of his rifles, he himself was killed. Alauddin's Reforms and Administrations Alauddin set up an efficient system of government. He did not allow the ulemas to interfere in the affairs of the state. Military. He reorganized the army, appointed soldiers directly and paid them handsome salaries in cash. Horses were branded so that they could be easily identified. His army consisted of 3 lakh soldiers. The army was increased to check the frequent Mongol invasions. He got the old forts repaired and built new ones to protect against Mongol invasion. Samana, Dipalpur and Multan were made frontier provinces and strong sardars appointed for the defense of the frontiers. Several workshops and factories were set up for the manufacture of weapons and other war materials. Economic reforms. He controlled the markets and fixed prices for all goods. The prices were not to be disturbed even in times of famine. Farmers could not hoard grains or sell privately. Surplus grain was to be sent to the government granaries. A special department under the charge of Shehnai Mandi supervised the market and checked weights and measures. Transport was developed so that grains from the villages could be brought easily to the capital. Muslim traders were advanced loans from public treasuries to carry on their business. Measures to control revolts Alauddin identified the following as the main factors that led to the revolts. King's negligence and ignorance The king's ignorance about the condition of his subjects was the main reason for revolts. Drinking led to 
convivial gathering where people met and hashed conspiracies. Excess wealth gave power and leisure for evil thoughts and rebellions. Alauddin reduced the power of the nobles, took away their extra wealth and forbade them to drink wine, have parties or mix with one another. He had spies to report on them. The Hindus were forced to pay higher rates of land rent and other taxes. This reduced them to a state of poverty. He did not appoint them on high posts. Decline of the Khiljis Alauddin died of fever in 1316 AD. After his death, Malik Kafur tried to become the Sultan of Delhi, but he was killed in this attempt. Alauddin's successors, Shiabuddin Umar, Mubarak and Khusro Khan ruled up to 1320 AD, one after the other. Later successors were weak and incompetent. Chaos and anarchy prevailed in the empire. Ghazi Tughlaq, the governor of the frontier province, murdered Khusro Khan in 1320 AD and came to the throne. He assumed the title of Gayasuddin Tughlaq and became the founder of the Tughlaq dynasty. The Mongol Invasions During Alauddin's reign, the Mongols became a great danger to the empire and he had to devise drastic measures to prevent them from plundering the state. There were several Mongol invasions during the first 12 years of his reign and even Delhi was threatened on more than one occasion. In the reign of Jalaluddin Khalji, a large number of Mongols embraced Islam and settled near Delhi. Alauddin Khilji came to know that new Muslims were trying to hatch a plot against him. He ordered his soldiers to massacre them and taught the Mongols such a severe lesson that they dared not invade India during his reign. At its greatest extent in 13th century, during the reign of Kublai Khan, the Mongol Empire extended from the Pacific Ocean to the Black Sea. The ancient Persian game of polo was adopted by the Mongols because it helped to give their warriors the excellent skills in horsemanship necessary for fighting battles. Shooting backwards from his mount a full gallop was a skill that made the Mongol warriors to the steppe unequaled on the battlefields of Asia and Europe. A warrior could bend and sting the bow while on the saddle by putting one end between his foot and the stirrup. He could shoot accurately even at speed, timing the release of the arrow to come between the paces of his horse. Gayasuddin Tughlaq was the founder of the Tughlaq dynasty. He was the son of an Indian mother and like his Turkish father, was in the service of the Sultans. He distinguished himself by his successful defense against the Mongol invaders and ultimately became the governor of Dipalpur. Ghazi Tughlaq ascended the throne of Delhi under the title Gayasuddin Tughlaq. Gayasuddin Tughlaq was a strong and benevolent ruler. He combined fairness and firmness to establish peace and order in the kingdom. He rooted out corruption, looked after the welfare of the patients, increased land under cultivation, improved means of communication, transport and postal system, constructed bridges and canals, increased the wages of his civil servants and restored the privileges of his revenue officers. He was a devout Muslim, but he never persecuted the Hindus. 
Gayasuddin was a capable military commander. He fought Mongol invasions, sent expeditions to Warangal, subjugated Gutti and Madura, raided Orissa and put down rebellions in Gujarat and Bengal. On his return from Bengal, he was killed near Afghanpur by the fall of a pavilion, an accident which was probably planned by his son and successor Juna Khan alias Uluk Khan. Achievements of Gayasuddin Tughlaq Gayasuddin Tughlaq reintroduced the food laws of Alauddin. He suppressed the rebellions in the distant provinces with a strong hand and restored peace and order. He organized better postal systems and encouraged agriculture. From among the 11 rulers of the Tughlaq dynasty, only the first three, that is Gyasuddin Tughlaq, Muhammad bin Tughlaq and Ferosha Tughlaq were interested in architecture and each added a new capital city in Delhi. Tomb of Gyasuddin Tughlaq Located 8 kilometers from Qutub Minar on the Qutub Badarpur Road is the city of Tughlaqabad. Built by Gyasuddin, the city is the site of his self-built tomb. The tomb, about 8 square meters with sloping walls of red sandstone, is surmounted by a white marble dome raised on an octagonal drum. Lotus bud fringes break the monotony of the red sandstone and give it a decorative effect. These are three graves inside, the central one of Gayasuddin and the other two believed to be those of his wife and his son, Muhammad bin Tughlaq. Muhammad bin Tughlaq Three days after his father's death, Juna Khan ascended the throne in 1325 AD under the name of Muhammad bin Tughlaq. Although very learned and accomplished as a ruler, he failed badly. His administrative reforms were impractical and he became unpopular. Taxation of the Dawab in order to increase the resources of the government, Muhammad greatly increased the land revenue in the Doab, the plains between Ganga and Yamuna. Unfortunately, this rigorous measure was carried out during a period of severe famine in the country. The impoverished farmers, instead of paying the taxes, left their fields to escape the tyranny of the officers and took to highway robbery agriculture suffered. When the Sultan realized the mistake of his taxation policy in the Doab, he ordered relief measures like advancing loans to farmers, giving off seeds and bullocks and digging wells for irrigation. But the remedy came too late and the farmers failed to profit by it. Transfer of capital. A very important experiment was made by the Sultan in shifting his capital from Delhi to Devgiri, renamed Daltabad. The capital was shifted mainly for many reasons. First, it was centrally located. It occupied a central location which was almost equal distance that is 700 miles from Delhi, Gujarat, Laknauti, Telangana and other important places. It was safe from Mongol invasion. Being far from the northwest, it was safe from the threat of the Mongols who frequently invaded the neighborhood of Delhi and made life and property insecure. It weakened the power of the citizens. The Sultan wanted to break the power of the citizen of Delhi who often played an important role in destabilizing the Sultans. The Sultan also made the mistake of ordering the entire population to migrate from Delhi to Daltabad. 
Despite the elaborate arrangements made for the 708-mile journey, the people arrived in the new and strange city, weary and homesick. Many of them even perished along the way. Introduction of Token Currency The economic burden of the transfer of capital experiment was heavy and it made the treasury empty. The treasury was further depleted by the Sultan's generous, lavish lifestyle, failure of the agricultural reforms and the Dawab taxation policy. In order to make up the deficit in his treasury, Muhammad issued copper coins considered equal in the value to gold and silver coins. Unfortunately, the mint was not state monopoly and a large-scale imitation of royal coins began. Every house became a mint and the people started making duplicate coins. A large number of such coins were in circulation and trade and industries suffered. Muhammad withdrew the scheme and paid gold and silver coins in exchange of copper coins from the treasury. This greatly impoverished the state. Schemes of Conquest Muhammad had extraordinary schemes of world conquests. For the conquest of Khurasan and Iraq, a huge army was maintained for one year. However, these places could not be invaded and the scheme had to be abandoned. The Sultan lost men, material and money. He also sent an army for the conquest of China and the scheme failed. Muhammad bin Tughlaq was responsible for the downfall of the Tughlaq dynasty to a great extent. The treasury was exhausted and revolts broke out in Bengal, Awadh, Gujarat, the Deccan and the far south. The empire began to disintegrate. As a result, the Bahmani and Vijayanagar kingdoms were established in the Deccan. Muhammad bin Tughlaq is known as a mixture of opposites in history. Historians also call him names ranging from raving mad to genius. Muhammad Tughlaq was a great philosopher trained in logic and Greek mathematics with whom scholars feared to argue. He was also a lover of science. His exequate calligraphy and beautiful coinage testify to his artistic talents. He was a great general, but his plans proved to be impracticable in actual operation. He lacked common sense and practical judgment. He performed religious duties strictly. Though a devout Sunni Muslim, he did not allow the ulemas to interfere in state matters. His personal life was free of vices. He avoided liquor and other intoxicating drugs. He respected women and elders. He was a man of hasty nature and hot temper. He was proud, haughty, obstinate and acted cruelly when his pride or vanity was hurt. Firo Shah Tughlaq Firo Shah Tughlaq, a cousin of Muhammad Tughlaq, succeeded him in 1351 AD. He was an incompetent general and Bengal and Deccan became independent during his reign. His military campaigns in Bengal, Sindh and Gujarat were mismanaged. Feroz Shah was a devout Muslim and was greatly influenced by Malvis and tried to rule as per their advice. He was a great scholar and founded many schools and colleges. He patronized the historians, Barni and Afif. He was intolerant towards Hindus and imposed the jizya tax on the Brahmins. Hindu temples and idols were destroyed. He was one of the last great sultans of Delhi. 
his policy of intoleration roused hindus against him this finally led to the downfall of the tughlaq dynasty although an incapable general feroz shah tughlaq was an ideal kind pious generous and a merciful ruler he simplified the legal system and discouraged the use of spies he adopted a humane attitude towards the slaves to revive agriculture he reduced land revenue and cancelled loans advanced during the famine this helped improve agriculture and brought prosperity to the peasants to promote trade he reduced the octroi duty invasion of timur amir timur or tamerlane timur the lame as he was called was born in 1336 ad in kesh which was 50 miles south of samarkand conqueror of persia afghanistan and mesopotamia he invaded india in 1398 he had no intention of annexing india to his empire but to loot its rich booty feroz shah's successors who ruled from 1388 to 1414 ad were weak and incompetent timur took advantage of the civil war being waged between the governor of the hindu chiefs and invaded india during the reign of the last tughlaq ruler mohammad tughlaq timur crossed the indus and conquered multan and punjab destroying this area completely when he reached delhi mohammad advanced to face him but was badly defeated mohammad fled to gujarat timur stayed in delhi for 15 days and massacred the innocent indians when timur left india he took a large number of skilled artisans as captives on his way back to samarkand he plundered meerut and also invaded jammu the ruler of jammu was compelled to embrace islam with timur's invasion the dynasty founded by gayasuddin tughlaq came to an end and paved the way for babur's conquest of india in 1526 ad effects of timur's invasion there was disorder and confusion in the country delhi was ruined and depopulated india's wealth was drained off to foreign countries his invasion widened the gulf between the hindus and muslims indian art found its way in central asia timur's invasion paved the way for mongol conquest babur was a descendant of timur and he claimed the throne of delhi partly on account of his descent sayyid dynasty khizr khan was not only the founder of the sayyid dynasty but also its ablest ruler in 1398 he joined forces with timur when timur left india he appointed khizr khan as his viceroy in multan khizr dethroned daulat khan a noble under the later tughlaq selected as the sultan of delhi in 1414 ad and became the king of delhi several sayyid sultans reigned in delhi from 1414 to 1451 ad but their authority did not extend beyond the punjab and the dowab the rulers of this dynasty were khizr khan mubarak shah muhammad shah and alauddin alam shah the last ruler of this dynasty was so weak that he surrendered the throne of delhi to behlo lodi who was at that time the governor of lahore and sindh the lodi dynasty the sayyids were followed by the three lodi sultans the lodis were afghans and their kingdom was larger than that of the sayyids they tried to strengthen the delhi sultanate behlo lodi behlo lodi was the founder of the lodi dynasty 
Sikandar Lodi succeeded Behlol Lodi and shifted the capital from Delhi to Agra. Sikandar Lodi's tomb lies on the northwestern corner of the Lodi Gardens in Delhi. It is an octagonal tomb with a central octagonal chamber surrounded by veranda. Each side is pierced by three arches. Ibrahim Lodi was the last ruler of this dynasty. Babur defeated and killed Ibrahim Lodi in the first battle of Panipat in 1526. Thus, the Delhi Sultanate came to an end and the rule of the Mughals was established in India. If you want to know anything about Indian history, please leave it in the comment box so that I can come back with it. If you have liked the video, please like, share and subscribe. Thank you.